Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Markets Show. I am John Human. I'm the editor of the Investors Chronicle. I'm joined today on our 51st podcast, I think it is. One more for uh, for the year. Joined today by Mark Robertson, who is our Features and Sectors Editor. How are you doing, Mark? Very well, thank you, John. Excellent. You've been looking after news this week, haven't you? Uh, yes, briefly, while uh, Bradley Gerard is off on holidays. And uh, Graham was uh, unwell. How are you doing, Graham, over there in the control room? Uh, improved. Good. Um, I wouldn't say well, but improved. Glad to hear it. And uh, Algie Hall, Tips Editor. Hello. And you're, uh, you're in, uh, we're in stock screen mode this week. Yep, yeah, two stock screens, yep. Two. Blimey. You spoil the readers, Algie. You spoil the readers. <laughs> Okay, so uh, actually, we're going to talk about your stock screens. Um, features this week, uh, we'll uh, mention briefly at the end, but uh, they've all been written by people who aren't in the office, which is not very useful. Um, but I will uh, briefly allude to those later on in the podcast. Um, but let's start with news. Mark, what's been going on? Well, we got a couple of uh, timely updates yesterday afternoon before the magazine went to the printers. And the first one concerned uh, SAB Miller, who's rejected the third informal offer from Anheuser Bush InBev. Uh, this one was pitched at forty-two pounds and fifteen pence. There's also a partial script alternative for their larger investors. There's some tax. Uh, breaks inherent in that uh, and uh, it was rejected by the board uh, however um, there's a split between the major shareholders some think this is a, a pretty much a decent offer the others are just rejecting I, I, I expect they're just uh, holding out for a, a, another slight increase but you would have to say that it's looking reasonably positive at the moment. They've got until next week to file a formal offer, but that may well be extended. So well, looks like it's on. looks like it's gone. Though, really. You would think so, looking at that. All the signs are that uh, they've reached uh, a level that everyone's uh, going to be happy with. Uh, SAB Miller, of course, will be forced to sell off some of their assets. I think in the the US, but that's a matter of uh, negotiation with regulators, yep. both in the states and in China, I believe, as well. So there you go. Even less choice uh, who you buy your beer from in the future yes apart from all those lovely craft brewers which we yes like. of course so, uh, of course there's uh well there's life there's hope another actually, they bought which one did they buy recently meantime wasn't it yeah they that's bought right. meantime meantime and mm, uh, they get too much of my money already in that well, case. exactly and you know you it comes down to this old argument we've mentioned before along the way that uh Perhaps these uh, microbreweries lose their cachet once they sell out as well, but that's a... no. I still like a plus part of meat. <laughs> Yesterday afternoon as well, uh, our personal finance editor Maura O'Neill came uh, high heeling across the office uh, with the news that Daniel Godfrey, the chief executive of the Investment Association, had been forced out in a kind of coup d'état. Really, uh, he'd been trying to introduce measures that would, uh, well, actually reduce the overall uh, costs and more scrutiny for management fees and. So so on and of course um, there's a vested interest in here so it's hardly surprising that he's been shown the door uh, a gentleman by the name of Guy Sears has taken over uh, in the interim uh, what else did we have we had a Portugal uh, a Portuguese government returned on the austerity ticket which is uh, perhaps a little bit surprising but uh, both the um, Iberian economies seem to be performing a little bit better than we may have expected uh, and also we've had a trade deal as well the latest trade deal the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership which is interesting uh, it's signed with the US uh, Japan a number of uh, South Pacific nations, and it comes as uh, what's the what's the alternative? They've been doing the rounds in Europe at the moment. The TP is it, Graham? The TTIP, I think, in Europe. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. That's... This is a very similar deal, though, isn't it? It yeah, is a similar pay... deal, and it's gone through a little bit quicker because there's uh, lots of uh, opposition to the other one. Throughout. Okay, so so why do we why do we care about this? 
Power to the corporations. Right. Yeah. Okay. And what have we got going on in the news section? Uh, the news section, uh, well, let's have a look. We've uh, gone through and Jonas uh, Crossland has been looking at uh, the uh, changes to the PPI arrangements, or at least the, the imposition of a time limit for claims um, of the five big banks. Uh, Lloyd's has set the most aside, but this will actually give a little bit more clarity to investors over time. I think it's going to stretch into about 2018, if memory serves me correct. But it just means there's going to be a little bit of a, a little bit more clarity when you look at uh, buying into bank shares, and uh, it's sort of generally seen as positive. I think the share share prices of all the banks went up as the news was released. Okay, three three more years of ignoring calls from uh, cold mm. calls from PPI uh, legal firms. But okay. I mean, it has, I mean, it has cost the banks uh, what north of twenty billion pounds so far. So I mean, expecting the same again? Yeah. Well, I think we'll probably get a, a, a near term surge in. Uh, complaints and uh, claims as well it's bound to now that uh, uh, there's a time limit being put on it so we'll see that but uh, I thought they were talking about a figure of around 15 billion more potentially I guess that's the upper limit of of, of what might actually come through I, I think claims haven't really slowed down either so um this is it's generally seen as a positive it's quite unexpected mm. people weren't thinking that um the banks would basically get away with having this done but it happens at the same time as um the sale the of Lloyd's, Lloyd's sale, so, absolutely. I mean I wouldn't want to be cynical but hmm. yeah they no we want you to be cynical out <laughs> we like we like a bit of cynicism um yeah they, they actually <laughs> peaked around about the end of 2012 but they've remained uh, you know reasonably constant since then as well We've also. Did, I mean, just while we're, sorry, you mentioned the Lloyd's sale. I mean, we got some details of that over the last. We haven't spoken about that on the podcast, but I guess um, uh, this is the last tranche that's going to come to market, and there will be a retail element maybe this time. Two billion pounds worth of retail um, shares. Okay. Yeah. It's and also a small a... amount in in in, in the, the whole scheme of things, but the government's still dripping its shares into the market and will do. I think I reckon this this two billion, which will happen next spring, will be the end of it. Yeah. Price to clear. Mm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we're still reasonably positive on, uh, on on some of the banks, at least Lloyd's being being amongst them. Lloyd's is a recent tip, yeah. And uh, I mean, part of the part of the um, possible upside that um, that we saw Ian Smith saw when he was tipping the shares was that maybe they would um, they would put a time limit on the PPI claims, which has obviously been a big problem for Lloyd's. And we weren't necessarily expecting it, but um, they have done. So that that is good news for the tip. And uh, there's a, another billion pound IPO in the offing as Equinity have uh, released a few details about their uh, planned admission to the LSE on the premium market a bit later this year. Uh, for those who don't know, and I'm, I doubt if there's many of you out there, Equinity uh, uh, bought up uh, Lloyd's registrars, but they also um, provide management services and pension services as well, pensions administration services. Uh, interesting business. So of course, closer to the actual admission date, we'll run the rule over it and uh, we'll, no doubt we'll take a stance. But it is uh, quite an interesting business, profitable and well run and quite uh, quite streamlined by all accounts. Well, indeed, Equinity, um, they administered our own um, share, mm-hmm. share schemes at, at Pearson. Mm-hmm. Um, they also built Self-Trade. Yep. one of the uh, one of the bigger brokers in the UK. So yeah. it's a very interesting time for for that share for that view, industry. Shareview as well. So um, well, that's that's the uh, that's the scheme uh, administrator. Yep. So basically, you could uh, well, if you've got a self trade, you could pick up the shares when they when they come to market. I guess. And there's a retail element to this, is there? 
Uh, yes, there is. There good, is. That's good. We like that. Yeah. We like that. There no, some, it's an interesting business, Quincy. There was some doubt Definitely. over that, but there is a, a retail element. Uh, the other piece we've got rolling here has been written by our friend Daniel Liberto, who's been looking at uh, uh, Rolls-Royce and their uh, strategic outlook now. that It's been a very difficult year for them, obviously. And uh, they've uh, reacted to the, the oil price falls by cutting jobs uh, and, according to Daniel, have dismissed speculation that it would they would backtrack on diversification to land and sea propulsion. Okay, it's interesting because there's uh, new management there, Warren East, formerly of Arm. Um, and activist investors as well. Activist investors are looking around. I, I love Rolls-Royce. Um, and, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, my family owns some shares in this company, not not planning to sell them. Um, and, I, you know, my view would be Warren East is, uh, is a proven proven manager. Uh, he's probably going to do some good stuff there. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> what did Daniel think? I mean, have we seen the worst? At Rolls? Well, I think he's he's in two minds about it at the moment. I was speaking to him earlier on in the week, but uh, uh, it's it's as I say, this story's going to run for a little while longer yet. The only other thing that we've got is in from Chris Dillow as well, who's just looking at uh, the slowdown fears and how they, uh, China's uh, China's move back is starting to leach into Western markets. I think we're all pretty much aware of that. And uh, again, the extent to which it will hold back Western economies, we're not quite sure yet. It's a bit odd this week when you look at it as well, because we've had a bit of a um, another rebound in mining stocks as well. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I think you cover this in this week's editorial or allude to it anyway. Yeah, just very briefly. I mean, I had a quick peek at Gencore, and uh, their shares have doubled since the uh, since the last what two weeks, mm. week, two weeks, and uh, you know they'd obviously had a, a precipitous slump. But, yeah. So uh, there, there seems to be a bit more optimism in the commodity space. The uh, well, there's a couple of sell side notes out just these last couple of days. One from Morgan Stanley in particular, which uh, well, they seem to have called a, a bottom for the commodities markets and, and looking at uh, long term valuations and uh, and pricing aspects. And they think that uh, now might actually be uh, a reasonable time to, to, to look to get back in the saddle. Yeah, well, I picked up a note, uh, and I can't remember who it's from now, which is appalling. Um, but the suggestion there was that you would get some significant cutbacks on the supply side, um, which would see a lot of commodity markets move back into deficit potentially in the in the year or so ahead yeah. um, which will be supportive of the pricing environment good news for everyone in that space I mean it's interesting when you look at the uh, the big miners if you just take the two big Australian miners uh, Rio Tinto and uh, BHP they're both offering um, sort of unnaturally high yields but everyone's been looking at them and thinking well will the cash flows be able to sort of cover this What's the likely state of Chinese demand? But that point, that point about uh, a lot of uh, lower margin production being forced out of the market is quite true. And they've both miners have come under some political criticism in Australia because uh, smaller miners and some medium sized miners as well have been cancelling projects. So we think uh, scale will uh, out in the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, my, my suggestion is that, you know, these businesses will revert to being essentially cash flow generators. Yeah. Um, which is good news for dividend investors. Talking of dividend cover, Algae, your blog this week, which apparently was very popular online. So popular yeah. we, that we featured it in the magazine. Yeah. So, so uh, um, can we have some cover with that <clears throat> dividend, please? I think was the uh, catchy title. <laughs> Actually, I mean, talk, talking about the mining companies... A lot of them featured in the companies with the most attractive combination of yield and cover. Obviously, the question you have to ask about the cover is, um, will those earnings remain in place? So is that slightly um, an illusion based on historic earnings? And but so it's all we've got, we got to go on sometimes. Really, though, yeah, no, I mean, quite. Any, I mean, in, in lots of ways at the moment with, those, uh, with the mining sector, and the oil and gas companies, it's um, anyone's guess because um, the the end the end markets for their commodities have been so volatile. 
Yeah, it's, we, um, quite hard to really make any kind of a call. I think we were speaking about this, Mark, and uh, you mentioned that you know there's this there's this idea that you know that demand for commodities has evaporated, disappeared. But that's not true. No, it's not. It, it, what's happened is we've just seen a slowdown in the rate of growth. That, that's the, and that, that applies to the energy markets as well. By reading the finance page, you'd swear that um, you know, demand had fallen off a cliff, but it's actually just the rate of uh, growth increase that's uh, that slowed down appreciably. And, and another point, just touching on another point you made there, in terms of the earnings for a lot of these companies, earnings have been constricted in recent years because of uh, the number of uh, the write-downs that we've seen on previous capital projects and sort of uh, acquisitions at the, the top point of the cycle so we're going to see less and less of those as well so, so actually there's a there's a view that earnings could actually be much more stable in the years ahead than they have been over the last two or three yeah it's hard to think there'll be as many uh, one-off incidents that will um eat into them mm. okay so algae back to dividend cover um what, what did we yeah. find so, um, well, we found that dividend cover is pretty thin on um, the best yield- yielding shares. So this was data from Schroeder's. Schroeder's produced um, an infographic, as it's called, showing that um, if you wanted good cover of 2.5% or more, um, you weren't likely to get it along with a good yield. And then we've had a bit more of a more detailed look at it and then also used um, a kind of a ranking system, which was which is used by someone called Joel Greenblatt, a, a US hedge fund man- manager, to try and find the very best of combining um, a high yield and good cover. So um, some of the top stock, stocks in the list, uh, 3i came out top, Kennedy Wilson, a property company, Centimin, Petrofac, Rio Tinto, so some, some of those um, mining stocks there, Bank of Georgia, Hunting Man Group. So, so, but uh, but I, I think the general picture is that it's hard to get um, it's hard to get good cover at the moment, which isn't mm. that surprising because we live with such low interest rates and a lot of money has been chasing yield. Um, and there are stories about money coming out of the bond market and going into kind of quality yield stocks. Bondification. Bondification. Yeah. Mm. People looking for bond-like equities. Um, interesting though. Also, um, St- Stephen Wilmot in in taking stock this week has been speaking to Neptune Asset Management on this whole question of um, where we are in the cycle. And um, they've got a very negative view on the oil price um, on the basis that we're um, entering a new paradigm, maybe as a way to describe it, where shale, the cost of shale production with changes in technology is coming down so much that um, actually it's going to peg the oil price lower for a long time to come. Although um, Stephen, who owns Shell in his ISA, is sticking with Shell, he says. Well, Shell has been is moving as much towards a ge- becoming a gas play as anything else, and the BG deal is, is part of that move. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, gas is gas is important. Mm. Gas is, you know, what's used in power generation, for example, which is uh, not going away. I've seen some research from Neptune on this as well, and it was very interesting, but I've also seen um, research from other analysts that contradicts it completely. In fact, there's an article in the Telegraph today with Andrew Kitchlow who's talking about uh, uh, the fact that uh, about 600,000 barrels a day of lost production in from the US uh, shell producers uh, that will become evident by the end of this year. So, I mean, he's taking the view that the um, OPEC's uh, uh, strategy to uh, uh, push low margin producer to the market is actually bearing fruit. But uh, as I say, I'm, I'm seeing contrasting things about this all the time. Yeah, yeah, there are lots of different opinion out there. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is why I think, you know, we take the results of the dividend cover screen with a pinch of salt. But yeah. it's quite useful nevertheless. I mean, to, it's, to, 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a it's a broad analysis, um, and um, you know, not not taking too too you know too much detail into account. But it's I mean, the, the, this kind of very simple screen, it can often work as a good pointer. Mm. And um, what you'd hope is that um, collectively, on aggregate, it kind of gets to where where you know where where you'd want to get to. Well, precisely, precisely. I mean, your screens have a good track record as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, they 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 do. I mean, this this isn't a screen that I um that I've actually ever used. So, um, but it's just a kind of a, uh, a using a ranking system to try and answer a question. Yeah, which like, is well, that's so, good. Yeah, we like that <laughs> bit, of, uh, bit of lateral thinking and the, uh, the screen process. Let's stick with screens for the time being. Let's talk about the best of British screen, yeah. uh, which is in the magazine this week. Algie, tell us. I mean, this has been a storming performer. This has been it's been an incredible year for this screen. This is a screen which um, basically looks for quality share. Uh, UK focused shares so it's companies generating over three quarters of their revenue from the UK and then it has a few um a few quality tests in there and it also looks for momentum to um as a kind of suggestion that these are shares which are popular with the broader market um and um the top five shares which are the shares with the highest momentum which I always highlight from the screen they delivered a 52 percent total return over the year boom Boom, indeed. They're taken from the FTSE 350. Um, and the FTSE 350 itself was down, uh, where it, it produced a negative total return of 2% over the period. And then the, the broader screen, which covered uh, nine stocks last year, that produced a 42% total return also. So um, it's a really quite exceptional performance. And it, um, it, it really highlights the fact that, um, well, people, are, as we've already talked about, people are looking for quality shares, it seems. So the price of quality shares are being pushed up all the time. But also Britain looks quite attractive from an investment perspective, or it has over the last 12 months, compared to emerging markets, which were the flavour of the day at one point, the US, where the markets come off quite a lot, Europe, which mm. obviously, you know, which has um, legion problems. So, um, Well, you say that the FTSE 100 has been an absolute shocker over the past year. But the yes, FTSE, yeah, the no, and, and that, that's, that's is... an important point. Um, in, in terms of British shares, um, uh, companies selling into Britain, the uh, the commodity stocks, which have caused a lot of the problems in, in, in uh, the FTSE 100, they sell internationally. So um, they're, they're, they're not the, the kind of shares that the screen's looking at. So um, it, it, companies focused on Britain rather than just um, leading UK shares. So, so give us an example of some of the companies last year that delivered such spectacular performance. Okay. And, and what criteria are we looking at Beyond so, their Britishness, yeah, that, so, uh, that, that helps us pick these winners. Well, if if I first just start out with the ones which have really shot the lights out, there's um, JD Sports, which has been. Um, I mean, we tipped this years ago, actually, right right down at the bottom, and that, it was one of those great kind of uh, price to sale situations where mm. you were having a very low valuation against sales, and the margin had completely bombed out. But there are reasons to think they could rebuild the margin and that they actually that process was already in train. And they've they've done that. And also their engineering growth by actually expanding overseas. So, you know, maybe they'll be generating less than three quarters of their revenue in the UK soon. Yeah. Anyway, that 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 delivered a total return of 122 percent. Yeah. And we've, we have not. had that on a buy over the past year as well from, through the tip section rather than the, the screens. It was moved. It was moved to a hold at one point. I think it was moved back to a buy um, uh, in, in results. I don't know if it's been in the tips section mm. recently, but um, it's one of those ones that we've liked for a long, yeah, long time. Yeah, yeah, quite. And I, um, W. H. Smith also had another storming year. That's up fifty percent. Fifty percent total return. 
Ted Baker of very expensive stock, sixty three percent total return. I mean, the, you know, the the numbers are um, phenomenal from some of these companies, and these are the com- you know these are quite big established companies with pretty full valuations when they were selected by the screen. Yeah, I know Ted Baker had results this week, and uh, I was kind of struck because I think the shares fell on the back of the results because... I think that was mainly profit-taking. I I looked at that too. I I mean, I I kind of put that down to profit-taking because the results were pretty flawless, really. They were flawless. I think Harriet said that any other company delivering these, the the share price would have gone through the roof, but but it's Ted Baker. But it's Ted... And also, and Ted Baker's valued on um, something like 30 times perspective earnings. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's... it's every. I mean, the trouble is with stocks which are priced so high, they have to do exceptionally well every time they report. What's the price now? Uh, so, thirty quid a share, isn't it? Yeah, enough? thirty-two quid a share. Um, uh, forward next twelve-month P, according to S and P Capital IQ, of thirty-three times. I tip these the tip of the year several years ago. I think it was four pound seventy. Oh my word! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't all go so well, but. Uh... <laughs> Uh, yes. Okay. And so, what criteria are we looking for so in, the cri- in terms of the, the the fundamental metrics? The, the so, the- I mean, one one um, interesting thing I think about this screen is that it's one of my ones which has no valuation criteria at all. There's no, um, it doesn't it it doesn't look for value. It just looks for quality and momentum. And in terms of quality, the tests are quite soft. Return on equity of ten percent or more. Not asking for much. A, a one-year beta of less than one, so suggesting it's the kind of their reliable kind of defensive shares and a full pa- forecast growth both this financial year and next. Just forecast growth, not saying any level of forecast growth. Um, and then better than average five-year compound annual growth, which is um, suggesting that probably the forecast and uh, um, are going to be fairly good, just because it's got a good track record. These companies, and then. A level of net debt which isn't too high, so net debt of less than two point five percent cash profits. Okay. So I mean, these are these are kind of um, soft tests, if you, if you like, and um, also the three month momentum needs to be uh, better than average. Mm. They're soft. They're soft tests. It's made in the the idea is that we're mainly just focusing on British companies. Or, you know, companies which are making most of their money in Britain. Okay. But often often with screens, you find that the, you know, the ones which don't ask too much from stocks actually perform really well. You actually don't need very exacting criteria to get a lot of shares, which, which um, really, really put in a very good performance as long as they're kind of, you know, ticking a certain number of boxes and they kind of form a, those boxes form a kind of consistent narrative around the shares we're looking for. Okay. Good stuff. Best of British. Uh, have a look at that one. We won't tell you what they are. You can go and have a look at the magazine. Um, I mean, talking of momentum, um, Chris Dillo publishes uh, No Thought Portfolios uh, every three months. We say No Thought because they're, they're basically screens, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he doesn't use anything near as sophisticated as the screens that, that you use, Algie. Um, he uses the uh, stock screen on our own website. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can tell from the chuckles how... How sophisticated <laughs> that stock screen is, but it but it works. Momentum, um, he points out this week, is is, is proving it's metal. It's it's, uh, it's incredible. Momentum is an incredible yeah force in the market. Actually, we're we're doing a growth seminar, but just in a couple of hours. And um, one one of the things I'm talking about is price momentum. And I went back to an ABN AMRO um, in London Business School study of momentum investing over 108 years investing in the top uh, 100 UK shares. And they found if you um, 
invested in the top 20 momentum shares over that period, you would have turned £1 into £4.25 million. Compared to investing in the 20 shares with the lowest in, uh, momentum, where you'd only got £111 after your 108 years. Yeah, well, negative momentum, incredible. negative momentum worked very well as well in the uh, the last quarter. It's Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's, it's a really... Um, it's really, uh, I mean, it's a phenomenal um, kind of thing. I mean, the trouble is the costs of trading it. The um, the figures I just quoted don't take any account of costs, and it's a high turnover strategy. Yeah. So um, the reality is, is you know, reality is everyone should be aware of it, but actually trading it's very hard. If only there was some kind of derivative product that you could buy in a sort of ETF form that Ooh. would enable you to do such a thing. Oh, that, if, that would if be only. great. That would be great. <laughs> um, okay, I mean, talking to tonight's seminar... Um, mm. We're going to be joined there by John Barron tonight, who's going to be talking about his growth portfolio that he publishes in the magazine. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's in the magazine this week as well. So uh, he's looking at China. Uh, he thinks, despite the negative sentiment around that, and that sentiment, Mark, I think it would be fair to say is what's really aff- afflicted the miners uh, yeah. of late. Yeah, without a doubt. But he's uh, he's reasonably bullish on, on China and the Far East, um, despite what we're you know what we're hearing about the terrible things going on there on its stock market you know he says that market is looking pretty pretty cheap still and yeah i mean it's 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 a phenomenal as, story as a bit of scuttlebutt i've my in-laws recently went to china on a kind of um busman's holiday you could call it they were they were doing lecturing there and they said they saw no sign of any distress economically didn't you know they didn't hear about it from anyone they spoke to where were they they uh, they were all around. They were kind of, they were they were on tour. Okay. okay. So um yeah, I, th- I thought that was quite interesting. The way that um the 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 whole press and everyone's been commenting like mad on how terrible every all, all the news coming out of China is, and you actually go there and no one's talking about it. No, no. Well, that is interesting. And certainly, John Barron is uh, he's he's not perturbed by the headlines. Um, he's topped up his Fidelity China Special Situations holding. Which has been a good performer. I mean, the Chinese market's done well um, mm-hmm. until recent months. Um, but yeah, he's topped up there. I think it's good fun. Thinks there's lots of decent businesses out there. So um, have a look at that, and uh, hope maybe we'll have seen some of you uh, at the uh, the event tonight. Okay, what else have we got in the magazine this week? Plenty in the personal finance section. We're looking at structured products there. Not got the best reputation, but we're looking at how you can uh, can uh, use those safely. I see that uh, Leonora Waters has picked up a, another couple of gongs. Oh, as she well. has, hasn't she? She yes. has. Best uh, consumer financial journalist and best use of social media. That's right, from the Association of Investment Companies. I'm unlikely to ever win the the, the latter on that one. <laughs> Algie might one day though. Yeah, I have got your social media presence has gone through the roof recently, yeah, hasn't it? I'm, I'm 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 over ten Twitter followers now. Mm. <laughs> 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 They're mainly family. Yeah, I think I follow you, Ajit. Oh, thank you. No, 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 no problem. No problem at all. Yes, and we're looking at uh, innovative ETFs, talking of uh, the types of products that you could potentially use to, to play a momentum strategy. Um, innovative ETFs, we're talking about things like dividend aristocrat-based uh, stories. They're quite, these are quite interesting. So these are, they're kind of stock screen-based in some respects. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of like a very simple stock screen, a lot of, a lot of them, as, as far as I see it. Yeah. And momentum, a classic momentum investment strategy i i i view as a screen and i and i, I well i run one every once every three months yeah yeah no i mean this i think these are really interesting i think you know the, the term smart beta is applied to some of these mm-hmm. things um so you know trying to beat the market with passive strategies which essentially is what a stock screen is yeah yeah so uh, yeah there you go good stuff there um 
Okay, plenty of uh, plenty of uh, results this week. It's kind of winding down the aim reporting season. As I said, we've had some biggies too, uh, not least Tesco's. Um, all the usual comments, tips uh, administered by you, Algie. Alex yep. Newman has been looking at some mining alternatives. Oh yes, this is quite interesting. Yeah, away from the uh, the usual industrial inputs, iron ore and copper. Alex has been taking a look at some unlikely uh, minerals in the market. Lithium, Lithium. for one, which, yes. is, which is the one that uh, got my attention, really, given the expansion of uh, Tesla in the US and the fact they're going to be opening what seems to be the world's biggest uh, lithium-ion battery factory. Well, they've got a new car coming out, haven't they? They have got a new car. This factory is immense as well. It seems to take up uh, half of Nevada, and he identifies a, an AIM-traded stock there. And he looks at our old friend Sirius Minerals as well on the whole potash uh, situation and looks at uh, coloured gemstones and uh, the aggregates industry as well because uh, he anticipates a step up in infrastructure spending. Well, actually, that was our cover feature last week. And, mm. uh, and then, of course, at the Tory party conference, what did George Osborne announce? A massive increase in British infrastructure spending. Yeah. So, yeah, we're on the money. As usual. Yeah. Okay. Well, that just about wraps everything up. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Algie. Thank Here's you, Graham, up. over thank there. Um, magazines available in uh, all good news age, including storming performer WH Smith, uh, <laughs> £4.50. And uh, we'll catch up again next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.